What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode. And before we start this episode, I want to encourage all our listeners to please subscribe and rate our channel. We definitely appreciate that. Also, feel free to give us feedback. Like I said, all three of those things, we definitely appreciate it. I just want to start the show off and letting you guys know. And um, here's another episode. I hope you all enjoy it. On the way to the top floor. I ain't selling out though, but I'm on the way. Got a lot of real, must the motivate. Hold all the moves, I'm a plenty play. On the way. On the way, on the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next, but I'm on the way. You ain't take risks, cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way, on the way. What's up, every- what's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast. I'm your host Xavier, similar to my co-host D. Hey, everybody. And today we got another uh, another dope episode, I believe. I, I've been looking forward to this episode as well because uh, this guy he always spits some very very valuable information on uh, on on Twitter. I follow him on Twitter, and he always spit out gems, especially for someone that's a uh, business owner, even someone that's just looking to get into business. He always talks about like scaling systems, pretty much how to formalize a business, have it right set up right, and pretty much how to scale and go for this. So I've been really interested. And having this conversation with him, and his name is uh, Adrian. He's a business consultant. He's an author, uh, a tech guy, a finance guy. So much, so we just we just grateful to have you on. So appreciate you for coming on, bro. Uh, thanks for the invitation. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And uh, first question we always ask our guests is like, what was the start? It's like, just give uh, our listeners like a little, little background on yourself. Mm-hmm. The beginning of your journey. The beginning of my journey, we gotta go way back. And so, <laughs> in middle school and high school, I was the kid that was selling candy and paper, <laughs> pencils and stuff from his locker and from his book bag because I realized that I could buy a pack of paper and sell my sheets five, in five and ten at a time to my friends and make some money for myself to buy snacks. Mm-hmm. So I was obviously a husky kid, and so mm-hmm. that that's how I. Myself. <laughs> That's kind of how I got my start in the business because I realized that if you see an opportunity that a lot of people don't see, people will pay you for that. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I got started. Mm, okay, okay. That's, that's that's interesting, man. That seems like. For a lot of entrepreneurs, that's usually like the kind of the start. I would say it's like you a kid. I mean, what else do you really got to sell besides probably like? Some candy, some candy and something. stuff like you know stuff <laughs> stuff you got access to right there. So that's 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 interesting. And, uh, so like one of the first questions I want to ask is I know uh, you uh, have something right now. It's called profit from possibilities. And I'm like, yeah, I definitely want to get into this conversation. It says I was uh, look at the world in 2000, 2050. So do you mind uh, just discussing like what 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 that goes over a bit? And so what the report goes over is really how the world is going to change in the next 30 years. And so uh, one of my favorite books is Family Wealth, and it gets you to start looking at a longer-term horizon and start thinking not just in your own lifetime, but generationally. Mm. And that was kind of the, the basis of the report and the mindset that I take as far as the decisions that I make when making investment decisions and even in my own personal career decisions. And so the report gets into really how the world's going to change both in the U S and abroad, looking at demographics, looking at housing, 
looking at uh, you know millennials and uh, boomers and all these different generations, how the trends have changed not only in the past based on these generations, but how tastes and things may change in the future, how it's going to affect business, e-commerce, how it's going to change housing, uh, people purchasing cars. Also talk about how the e-commerce is being impacted by people's taste as well as far as how people do e-commerce has changed. I know you guys have probably seen a lot of talk about drop shipping mm-hmm. and that that trend also touch on other areas in e-commerce that present a large opportunity for people that are interested in getting into that field. And so it really touches on a lot of different things, looks at markets. I analyze my own housing market, which is here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I give that example for people that want to analyze their own real estate market and look and see, well, what's the health of that market? What should I be looking for? Whether I'm a buyer or a seller, if the trend is going to continue to go up or if the trend is going to turn, what things you can look at in your own market and apply in your own life to really kind of create your own economy mm-hmm. over the next 30 years. Mm. And something that you uh, you said a couple of times was people's taste changing. And when you say that, what do you well, like? What do you mean by that? What I mean is that what people may have liked and habits that drove consumption habits in the past may not always be, and usually aren't, the same thing that drive taste in the future. Uh, one good example is how with baby boomers, they really drove the growth of. Mm-hmm you know, worldwide brands such as uh, Gerber Baby mm-hmm. Food, Pampers, Huggies, uh, Johnson & Johnson. And these companies benefited from these people, this largest demographic population habits at various points in their life. You know, they kind of drove the housing boom. They drove the growth of, the, you know, Detroit being one of the largest cities in the world as far as GDP is concerned. And even now, they're driving the growth of uh, housing sectors such as the uh, active 55 communities mm-hmm. uh, and things like that, not just here in the U.S., but also in uh, Europe, in Canada, Australia, Japan, China. All of these countries are experiencing these shifts in demographics and tastes. And so and even with uh, the millennial generation to move away, move towards a sharing economy. And then wanting to drive less, they get less driver's license. They're not marrying as much, and not having as many children. And so, across generations and time periods, these tastes just change. Changes. That's very interesting. So, like, what I want to ask now is like, if you could like paint this picture, like let's say twenty years, twenty thirty years from now, what industries, in your opinion, do you think? are in the most danger and on the opposite side of that what in what industries do you think are got the most upside when they're over this next most potential over this next 20 30 years and so that's that's actually one of the i guess bonus sections that i have in the report Mm. in the appendix section and i also talk about it throughout the report and the, the the industries that i see benefiting the most are the industries that are dealing with with technology. Like data is essentially been determined that it's worth more than oil. 
their whole scandal as far as how they were using Facebook data to be able to produce ads to help shape the elections and, you know, their whole uh, spill as far as how they were using the data to be able to say, hey, we have over a thousand different data points for every single one of these users that we can use to kind of influence their taste and have more idea of what are their buying habits going to be. And even though a lot of this data is anonymized, it's when you combine all those anonymous sources, you can still get a good idea of who a person is. Even with healthcare data, you can do the same thing. And so fields that are going to be dealing with that data, you know, like a data analytics, uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence. And then there are also going to be some physical technologies that will benefit from it mm. in industries that may not have been impacted in the past, in the past so much by technology. Like uh, transportation, they've moved towards electronic logging devices to get a better feel for how long drivers are on the road, uh, how many breaks they're t- taking to make sure they're getting enough rest, making sure that they're taking efficient paths. And all of this information is, is contributing to, you know, the driverless cars. So really just anything around data is going to be a, a great field to be in. And then also uh, any type of automation because I imagine you guys have seen the the kiosk, the self-checkout kiosk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really, the fields that are going to be the most in danger are going to be the fields that we may consider white-collar today because some of the jobs can be automated. Right. Maybe not automated completely, but automated in a, in a large portion. And so I would say fields that would be most in danger would be a customer service, mostly because of the world getting more flat. And, you know, you go to websites now and you have the the pop-up chat widgets and Mm -hmm. the different bots that can interact with customers, you know, the the different frequently asked questions and help this sections and support sections of websites now are, are mostly automated. You know, the, the voice call systems are, you know, AI, so it's not so many people on the line actually answering the phone calls. And so it's, it's a lot of different industries that are going to, I wouldn't say go away 100%, but I can see them being possibly outsourced. And so careers and fields that enable these technologies will definitely do well. And then on the, on the trade side of the business, like trades are always going to do well. Mm. So less people want to go into the trades. And so there, there's, a, there's a lot of money there. I mean, even without any type of degree and, you know, high school education or maybe not even a high school education, just some certifications and licensing, you know, people can make $100,000 as a plumber or electrician in a short period of time hmm. and those fields will always I think do really well do especially well. as more people still embrace the belief that a college degree is necessary to succeed <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I agree with that and so like uh, let's say for a new business new coming business owners or whatever do you feel like with so much automation going on right now and it'll happen more and more as time goes on do you believe this is going to be hurtful to the entrepreneurs that don't have the 
abundance of dollars like these billion dollar companies have or do you think this was as a more even more opportunity for them to move their business ahead i think it's more opportunity mm, mostly okay. because we have i mean all businesses have access to the same resources and a perfect example of that is with uh, amazon and ebay today and even like shopify these platforms enable people to get to any market a lot quicker you know companies like uh, alibaba and overseas sourcing companies and suppliers and manufacturers allow you to you know hop on the internet at any given moment and if you decide that there's a product that you want to manufacture or supply it's easy for you to connect almost instantly with someone on the other side of the world and then bring that to your own market Mm. to sell and then even on the automation front I mean, a lot of automations and things exist that allow people to almost instantly create their own customer relationship management systems and email automations and send like mailings to any clients that they may have, whether they have a online entirely business or a, a an offline business. And so it's nothing to, you know, go as go to the USPS website and look up a zip code that you want to send a mailing to and specifically target that and have that mailing go out without even ever seeing that neighborhood. I mean, mm-hmm. you can you can target literally places around the world with the similar systems and send mailings in countries that you don't even live in. So, I mean, it's definitely made the world a lot flatter. So I, just, I think with the right mindset and creativity, you can, you can do a lot without spending... A lot of money. A lot of money. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, but I like that because I, because uh, I see a lot of people now like uh, entrepreneurs. They'll, I don't know if they're older or whatever, but they'll kind of, it'll be kind of from like a fear based mentality where they say like, man, all this damn automation, going on is going pretty much ruin everything. So, and and I kind of see how you see. It. I feel like it'll be more opportunity with something so brand new. It's kind of like it got It's like no choice but opportunity to, to me. That's how I see it, at least. Oh yeah, and I mean, and it, it makes less work for the business owners as well. Mm-hmm. So you'll see industries, even industries like cleaning services, janitorial services, like with the right marketing systems and customer relationship systems, these businesses can make their jobs a lot easier mm. and so they don't have to worry so much about prospecting for clients and going door to door they can say hey well I want to only work with this particular industry and then they can quickly and easily find you know all the people in that industry in their, their city and then market to them directly and I mean even like things like Google and I mean I imagine you guys have seen that like if you go to a website then for the next three months, you'll see that same ad for that same website mm-hmm. or same product. Mm-hmm. Yep. So things like that make it a lot easier for really any business that's willing to, to you know, put in the time to create these systems mm. to grow. To grow. So. Yep, yep. And uh, something else I wanted to talk talk about was I seen how uh, for your book, how you were saying that you didn't you was I think you were saying you didn't put it on Amazon to give to have the uh, the first movers advantage. And I was like, man, I was thinking like, damn, that's super interesting. I never even like thought of that before. Cause you know, anybody that write a book, they probably their first thought after completion of the book is probably gonna be, man, I'm gonna put it on Amazon. But right. your mentality, 
I've never seen I've never seen nobody say that before. So that was like totally different. I opened it to me. But I want to ask like uh for the people who don't know, like can you explain like what first movers advantage is and why you had that mentality with your book? The purpose of well, I'll step back a little bit. Mm-hmm. The purpose of me writing the the my book, Business Growth Secrets, mm-hmm. and then the report, Profit from Possibilities, is for the people in my circle and community and my real life to benefit from the information. Mm-hmm. And so me alone having the information and not sharing it with anybody else, it does me a lot of good, but it doesn't help anybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. So Previously, when I was running my asset management company, 2008 was my most profitable year. And you guys most likely would not have liked me as a person at that moment. While the world was burning all around me, I was probably the happiest person. (laughs) So it doesn't doesn't help you make friends when Mm. you're that person. So I was like, well, I don't want that to be the case in the future. And I want more people around me to be successful and be able to create wealth from these opportunities that, I, that I've seen before and in the future. And I know that, uh, like I, I publish books for other people that I put on Amazon, but I know that if I put it on Amazon, the audience is going to be wide, but I know that information can get watered down when more people are absorbing and applying the information in a specific market. And so what I want to do is in the circle that I have, well, mostly on Twitter, and really that's the, the largest social media platform that I'm on, I want them to be able to use the information first because then you have first moves advantage. You become the Coca-Cola of that specific uh, business principle and, or skill or whatever it may be. So then you don't have to be the Pepsi trying to catch up to the Coca-Cola. You're the one that's applying the information first. Mm-hmm. Now, there will be a point when I do add the book to Amazon, but I want there to be enough time for enough people to take the, that information and absorb it and apply it and profit from it. And then... Or anybody else. Mm, that's, a, that's a super uh, dope strategy to me. I hope that I don't go over people's heads that's going to listen to this. That, that's, that's, a, that's a powerful strategy for real. And uh, something else that I seen you talk about was you were saying how the five foundations your business should be built on. And you said number one is sales. Number two is emails and other contact info. Number three is customer relations. Number four is analytics. And number five was automation. So I just wanted you to, to dive into that a little bit. Well, with those principles, as far as your, I, I consider, I look at everything as a, a stack. And so, because my background is in uh, computer science and math. And so, I look at everything as a stack. And in software, you have the front end, you have the middle layer that, you know, does all the calculations and things like that. And then you usually have the back end that usually has like a, your database, you know, your secure profiles, um, things like that, you know, the actual systems that may store your money at a bank, etc. And so in business, you have the same principle. And that those five things that should be focused on give you that main stack. Now, there's different technologies that you can use to implement, you know, your sales, your automation, 
etc. But to me, I'm always focusing on improving those five areas. And so instead of trying to focus on the whole breadth of all the things that you need to focus on on business, you can, within those five pillars, say, okay, at this point, this week, etc., or whatever your period is, usually me, I run through four-week cycles. And so I say, hey, what I want to, what do I want to focus on in these pillars right now that's going to move me forward the most and deliver the most, uh, the most return on, on my efforts as far as money. And so I, I always want to be focusing on the things that are going to give me the highest dollar value return and usually require the least amount of effort. And so that way I'm always focusing on things that I know are going to generate results, either results for myself, for my own business, or for my clients and my customers. Mm. Mm. That's, and that's that's uh, super interesting because uh, it's like from talking to you, it sounds like you have a, a very like in-depth strategy with how you go about things, especially with business-wise. And I feel like right now, we're in an era right now where we got a bunch of entrepreneurs but it's no like strategy. There's no system for most people. Things they just like start a business, mm-hmm. and it's like a hamster on the uh, on the wheel. On, on the wheel. <laughs> and, and 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 I can tell when people are running their business that way. And I'm very particular about people that I do take on as clients because I know that my systems and processes may not work with everybody because mm-hmm. you have to have a certain level of pre-existing systems and practices or processes in place before my systems can overlay on top of that to help you be more efficient, uh, spend less time, spend less money and really do more with less. Mm. And that's, and like, that's so crazy to me because like, I gotta, I always say like, uh, systems build wealth, systems build wealth. I always say that, I say that to other people, but I say that at the same time because I try to ingrain that in my head, to ingrain that in my subconscious mind. So I'll just keep saying that over and over and over. And I feel like, I mean, what's that? What was that? It's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I feel like a lot of people, they probably don't understand that totally. So like, from your point of view, why is systems so important and that's just with anything i feel and how you live your life day to day like anyway but especially in business why do you like from your viewpoint why is that so important to have a system in place i think it's important to have a system in place because the world is built on systems like everything mm-hmm. that we do is a system and if you are only going through the world based on what's in your mind and you don't have a system for uh, routinely doing something or proceeding forward, then you're not going to be sure that you're going to get to your place in your own life or in business or in the world. And so you have to create your own system. I mean, even with uh, like families are a system within a system. Right. So if you're not, you know, creating those systems and practices in your business, then you're not going to be able to ensure your business's success because nothing is going to be repeatable. Right. You're not going to be measuring things to know what needs to be improved. You're not going to be able to tell at a moment's notice whether you're even succeeding in executing your process. So you won't know what's broken and what's, what needs fixing. Right, right. Well. 
Right, that, that, that make a lot of sense. And of course, my guy, I, I think this question right here will be helpful to a lot of people that's in business. With you being a business consultant, what are the biggest mistakes that you see people make when it comes to their business? I say the biggest mistake that people make is focusing on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. Mm, I was going to ask you about that because yeah, I seen you post, so, so, so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, a, a lot of people really, and, I, and I, I have to ask myself the same question. This is I ask myself this all the time. Is this the right thing to focus on? Like, am I am I wrong? Like, like mm. I, my assumption every day is that I'm wrong, mm. and so I have to keep systems in place that say, okay, in this particular area, am I wrong? Is this generating result? I have to measure that. Is this generating a result for myself or my customers? Like, mm. and like because if you're not asking that question, you're obviously not making any money, right? Mm-hmm. And and your assumptions may be flawed. And if your assumptions are flawed or your ego is invested in your assumptions, all it's going to do is hurt your business. And so my, my business and my personal life, I'm not invested in those decisions because I'm just executing. And so I have a map. I'm going to go where the map tells me if I don't end up where I need to be, then I'm assume that my map is wrong and I'm going to give me a new map. <laughs> And so that's the same thing with systems and why a lot of times people spend a lot of times focusing on the wrong thing. Like, for example, I know a lot of people like to focus on website design. And my philosophy is that while website design is great, it doesn't move the needle a lot of times unless you get to a point where you're doing 100,000 views a month. Mm. So at that point, it's a major thing that mm. that's just with a website because a website is just a brochure. Now, if you're talking about landing pages, then the design of the landing page is very important. It just depends on what you're focusing on. Right. Websites very rarely drive sales. What drives sales and e-commerce and a lot of client focused businesses is specific pages that give people the information that they want and they have a particular action that's going to move people further along in your marketing funnel. And a lot of people like to focus on, you know, logos. They don't build up their email list. They don't build up their contact list. They're not following up. It's like customer context is real. I mean, it's a digital age, but if your customers don't and your clients don't feel like you love them, they're not going to give you (laughs) their money. Because people give their money to people and companies that they love. Right. Like, it doesn't matter if your product is terrible. If they love you, they're still going to give you money. Mm -hmm. So the whole goal is to take the same principles that help us build great relationships in real life and transform those same skills and conversations and rapport building to the digital world. Mm. And that's something that you said that I think is extremely interesting is how you kind of just say you don't let your ego like make your decisions when it comes to business. And that's interesting because like even if you read the book for people that's listening to this, if you read the book uh, Principles by Ray Dalio, like his uh, his company, his investment company, they have like a process where it's like basically ran through computers to figure out what's the best decision to make for the business. So there's no biasness, there's no emotion. 
the computer right. like the computer don't have any of that. So whatever is the best of shit, and that's what the computer's gonna go with. And that's like that's a, a kind of example of a system right there. You know, if you saying that, that was very that like when you said that, that's the first thing I thought of for for that reason. I'm like, damn, that's kind of similar. And that's I see that's common with most successful people and most successful businesses. When it comes to business, is no well business decision. They don't let their emotions, ego get involved with, with any of it. It's what's the best decision at the end of the day, even if I don't necessarily want to do it. So that's, that's yeah. yeah, that's very. And, and you're right, because I mean, I, I've worked with companies where uh, like, ego and pride will destroy a business. Mm. And one of the reasons why I even take my clients through an onboard, onboarding and a vetting process is because I need to know whether a person is even willing to work with the system. Mm. And so, because if they're not willing to work with the system and they're stagnant, the only thing that's constant in life is change. Right. If you really want to improve your results, you have to be willing to change. And people that are invested in their decisions, they're going to run into the iceberg anyway, even if you tell them it's going to sink the ship. Mm. They don't believe they're wrong. <laughs> man, that's crazy, man. That's that's super crazy. And uh, like, so for the people that's gonna hit this, some of them might ask themselves, like, okay, I'm hearing this, but how do I myself set up a system? Like, what's the process to me? Like, how do I do that? What would your response to that be? Well, one of the first things you gotta start doing as a business owner, and even in your in a career is documenting your processes and keeping great records of things that you do often. Mm. And so uh, in my, with my resume, for example, I keep it updated. Like, I mean, I volunteer, I may never need it again, but I keep it updated. (laughs) But so, I mean, it's it's just that those habitual things. Like, I mean, if I'm volunteering with the organization, I'll update it. Mm. It's like, I mean, even with, um, your business process, like I'm going through a process now of bringing some people on board on my team and I'm going through the process of documenting how I define the job description, the specific project, how much the people are going to get paid. I got, I have spreadsheets that I keep to keep track of. Okay. I posted this on this particular date and I messaged this person at this particular date and time. How long does it take for them to respond? Mm. How long does it take for them to respond to the second message, the third message? Because, I mean, time is money. Yep. And so, I mean, if it's going to take them three days to respond, that means they may not meet deadlines that I'm looking for. Because I'm trying to literally give you money and you don't want to respond to my messages. Mm. Then it may be an indication of, hey, in the future, this person may not be as quick to respond to a customer's complaints or a client's complaints. And so uh, those processes... I just, I say my, I back up everything twice because I'm paranoid. I lost a hard drive with like two terabytes, like decades <laughs> worth of pictures. <laughs> so I use like two different cloud services to document everything. I use, you know, Google Drive and then I use uh, AWS and Dropbox. But doc- document your processes. One of the, the, I mean, Trello and Asana are great, but don't get bogged down in trying to move boxes around. Just focus on what's first and foremost and going to generate the most results right now. 
And if, if you have the headlines, I mean, it's good to give you an overall picture of like where you're going, but keeping track of, you know, six months from now, but then focusing on going on what needs to be done today is definitely important as far as building those processes, just writing down what you're doing. Mm. Like you, if you're an app developer or whatever, just keep track of it. I mean, my assumption in life is that if I fall into a coma next week, I want to be able to wake up that following week and still be able to run my business mm-hmm. and not have to worry about, you know, nobody else can do this. Because a lot of people that are entrepreneurs, one thing they don't think about is business continuity. And so they say they have a business and that they're entrepreneurs, but in reality, they're self-employed because they're still the ones running the business. And me, I want to remove my myself as much as possible from running the business because that does two things number one you're not relying on yourself and you know spinning your wheels so you have more free time and you're just managing but number two it puts you in a position that if you ever decide that you want to sell the business then you can do that you can do it yeah mm, that's and the, i mean that's it's the... all, i mean it's great to be making money but it's always nice to cash out too. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the goal, ain't it? Build the business yeah. up, sell it, do something yeah. else, do it again. So, and so I mean, and, and I've done that with previous businesses, mostly digital, entirely like digital properties. But I mean, creating those systems so then you can say, look, this is what I have in place. Mm-hmm. Like, you could do this. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, and that, that's interesting. And, I, and I'm glad you also brought up how you mentioned like hiring people and managing it and also managing people. So for for people that's, that's, that's listening to this and they also thinking about hiring people, because, you know, a lot of times as entrepreneurs, a business owner, you would just hire. Sometimes a lot of people, they'll just hire whoever is like right there or a family member or whoever they feel like, you know what I mean? But they probably not got their heart really in whatever it is. So what, like, what is your uh, mentality or advice to when it comes to hiring people for your business and managing it? Don't do that. Don't <laughs> hire. <laughs> uh, my, my philosophy is, I, I I love the people that I love, and I love my business, and I want to keep the two Separate. as far away from each other mm-hmm. as possible. Yep. And so, like friends, like <laughs> because. What people don't realize a lot of times is that it's great to work with family until you're working with family. And, and so I try to work with people and bring on people that are not, that I'm not emotionally invested in. Mm. That way, the decisions that I make regarding them are entirely objective. And so it's all about them delivering and me paying them for delivering. And so, and even in my career, I mean, I have, you know, colleagues, I'm not emotionally, I'm not emotionally invested in my colleagues. They don't go to a job. It's like, I'm not mostly invested in, in, in a job. And so, cause the problem that you'll find, well, there's most people that are, you know, mostly career driven is that people in the past have stayed in positions longer than they should have because mm-hmm. they were emotionally invested. And you'll find the same thing in business because you get emotionally invested in an employee or a contractor and you shouldn't because 
that's that's not what that's not what business is about. It's not. A, it's really not about making friends. It's about being you know having being honorable mm-hmm. and being successful and helping people achieve their monetary goals while you achieve your business goals and revenue goals. But mm-hmm. none of that's personal. Like you can you can still be an upstanding person and fire people <laughs> if they do terrible work. All right. Mm-hmm. So that's. That's definitely not personal. <laughs> I like I like that. I like that. <laughs> and um I also wanted to talk about your uh your book, Business, Business Growth Secrets. Now, do you mind just uh going over it, talking about what the book uh entails and stuff like that? And so business growth secrets I would say is was created as I don't I don't like doing the consulting calls. Like if if I can avoid it I can. And so that book is pretty much a summation of if I could take the basis of how to grow a business and put it into a book, that's what that book is. Mm. And what it goes over is a a checklist of 15 items that a a business that's trying to grow should focus on, um, you know, nurturing customers, uh, automation, outsourcing yourself, uh, things like that as far as focusing on will help you move the needle because a lot of times again businesses focus on things that aren't important because the reality is that a lot of businesses are run by people that make great employees but they don't know anything about business like they they don't like they they believe that they do but their revenue their customer retention rates the things that matter say otherwise. Mm-hmm. And I can sm- smell fear. I can tell when a business is on the path to going out of business. Because mm-hmm. I've, I've seen businesses fail before and I've seen what successful businesses look like. And being able to spot that, you know, when people aren't focusing on the right mm-hmm. things. And what's the what's the not to cut you off, but what's the characteristics? How do you, how can you spot that? What's the characteristics that you know a business is going to fail? Fear. I see mm. it in their eyes, the whites of their eyes. Like I can smell it. Mm. Like I can tell when people are making decisions out of fear because it's a, a certain level of panic in their decisions, and you can tell that because fear is a terrible motivator. Perfect. When mm-hmm. you try to grow anything like your career uh, a business it, it doesn't matter being motivated by fear means that you're coming from a place of scarcity right. and when you have a scarcity mindset instead of a, an abundance mindset you're being motivated by the wrong things and that's when people start cutting corners mm-hmm. that's when people start you know not treating their workers right and then they wake up in that energy they go to bed in that energy and that energy spreads throughout the entire company and that that's a a bad place to to be in, both as people that have to work in a business and from a customer standpoint, because you're not when you're focused driven by fear, you're focused more so on money yep. instead of being focused on how you can provide the best product or service for your customers. Mm-hmm. 
because you're worried about whether you're gonna the business is gonna be in existence next year versus being focused on well, how can I do better by my customers today. Mm, that's probably uh that's 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 some that's some good insight right there. And you uh another thing you mentioned you said is uh nurturing your customers. So do you mind uh like just going into detail about that? Like what do you mean when you say nurturing your customers? What I mean when I say that you should nurture your customers is that people are people. Like they aren't, you know, data points, they aren't, you know, personas that you use and user experience and user interface design paradigms. They aren't user stories that you use in software. They're they're human beings that have, you know, various goals, like desires, etc. And when you are treating them like less than people, they can feel that. Like when you have a conversation with somebody and you're only trying to sell them, mm-hmm. they're not interested in what you have to say because they've already shut down. But if you talk to that same person and you're trying to help them and trying to find out exactly what they're trying to achieve by even talking to you, that's an entirely different conversation. And that conversation can take place on the phone. It can take place in chat. It can take place in email. I mean, even in a webinar, like the way you talk to people and deal with them, it's, it has to be nurturing. And because people will always remember that interaction and favor that more interaction even at a higher dollar price point than an interaction with somebody else or some other company mm, yeah i like that that's 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 good that's good insight as well you dropping the uh you dropping a lot of gems and something else i uh i seen you i want to ask you about this earlier i just thought about it right now i seen you talk about on twitter how you were saying most businesses waste time because they don't do the things that matter so I guess this is kind of the same thing with like how having your system in place for like business owner, they probably struggle figuring out, okay, which, what matters the most? How, you know what I mean? Like, how do I set this up so I know, okay, this should be number one priority. This should be number two. Cause I, I, I feel like a lot of people do, do, they don't really have no order with it. They just do whatever comes up where, where what comes up might not be the most important thing you need to be doing right now. Yeah. And so, with, with my business, I always want to focus on what helps the customer the most. Because what helps the customer or my audience or my clients the most is always going to help my business the most. All right. Because if they like it, then they're going to want to engage with me more. They're going to want to support my product, support my business, and support me. Thanks. And so if it's not moving towards that, then when somebody's starting a business, the first thing they say is, you know, what do I like? What do I like to do? <laughs> and so my belief is that it, it doesn't matter. Mm. It's because it's not about you. <laughs> like, nobody's going to give you no money just because you like doing something. It's that doesn't make any sense. Mm. 
people are going to give you money because you provide them with something that they need they and need. that they want and that helps them improve their own lives. Right. And so a lot of people even start their businesses from the wrong paradigm. It's mm. like, oh, what's going to make my life easier? What can I do that's going to be easy for me and make me money? <laughs> that's, that's not how you start a business. It's like, and I can tell, like, I've seen it. You've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and all so the, all what the time. Is, man, how can I how can I help the most people? Yep. It's like what can I do that's gonna help? What do people need right now? Yep. That's what that's the basis of every single decision that I make. Mm. It's like how, who who, who how, what can I do right now that's gonna help the people that are in my immediate audience and give that information to the most people mm-hmm. and at a level where they are, where they can use the information and profit from it as well. Mm. And that's and I feel like that's a, a very powerful skill just from a future standpoint because as we as we move ahead, time goes along, people's needs and wants is going to change. Like I used to, that now, I, now the, your statement earlier where you said taste changes makes, it just gave me more clearly just from that right there. Because people need, that, man. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm literally 30 years ahead of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, like, I like that. So, like, I'm, I'm, I, know I, was, I know it's 2019, about to be 2020. My mind is in 2050 right now. 2050. Like, I'm, I'm already pitching to them. I'm like, I'm already, I'm trying to cater to that market. Oh. Because if I, could, if, I, if, I, if I'm ahead of the curve by 30 years, then my kids can eat. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Mm-hmm. Kids can eat. Kids can eat, and they they'll be straight. And they like I, I was just talking about this earlier. That's how when you get to the like, I feel like everybody goes to be to get to the point where they good enough to where they now running a race for their kids. Because you like I'm good I, for the rest of my life. It's the same thing. Yeah. Because I mean, I'm not doing this for me. Right. I'm fine. Like yeah. I'm all right. I'm I'm doing this for everybody else, mm. and that's and that's and that's powerful alone. I feel like at the end of the day, the people that think like that, I feel like those are the ones that's gonna win on the on the way on the scale that they want to win. As far as the people that don't win, I feel like they might say that they're not doing it for themselves, but I, it's like deep down you can always tell. Like yo, you don't really give a fuck about people. You just doing this to you know what I'm saying, so yeah. you could. Do oh, yeah. you know? What I mean, do whatever you, whatever it is you think that you want to do. But <laughs> yeah, you you want to say something? Oh, so I I got a question for you. I noticed um one of your tweets you said you don't need money or experience to build wealth, and I just wanted you to elaborate on what exactly you meant by that statement. And what I mean is that you don't need experience <laughs> or money to build wealth. No, nah, we, nah, we, we definitely, nah, we definitely yeah, understand we it. But just, but just for the, like I'm the a, other I'm, people. I'm going to go into it. Yeah. So a common misconception is that you need money to make money. Money's right. not real. Money mm. is energy, if anything. Mm, I agree. And it's creative energy. It's people like being around people. I mean, you're not going to, you can be in a box by yourself and you're not going to make no money. But the reason why you're not going to make any money is because you're not connected to any people. Mm. And so you could be in there with the best ideas in the world, billion dollar ideas. But if you don't have any people and you're not connecting and you're not helping anybody else, you're not making any money. Mm. And so it's all about being able to connect with other people 
that may have the resources that you don't have. They may have the experience that you don't have. They may have the money that you don't have. And if you have the ideas to be able to put those people in the same room, that's valuable. People will pay for that. People will pay to be in that room that you put together where you don't know anything about any subject that they're talking about, but that's valuable to somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, perfect example was all these conferences, like conferences put together. Like some people know about the conferences. Some people don't know anything about the, the subject being talked about. Right. I mean, people that organize like scientific symposiums. You don't have to know about cancer research to put together a symposium. <laughs> you just got to know people that know a lot about cancer. Yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, you don't have to be a PhD. These people don't know nothing about event planning. They don't know that you need coffee in the wintertime. They're not thinking about that. But they know a lot about solving cancer. Mm. That's real. Mm-hmm. And I- Oh, excuse me. And that's that's super real. Like, I was just, uh, I said something about that earlier. Like, to even, I'm going to say, try to put it, like, not on a smaller scale, but on a different scale. Like, to get, you know, it's a, it's a false misconception to get into real estate stocks that you need a lot of money. But that's not, that's not the truth at all. Especially, with, like, when it comes to real estate. If you got the, info, if you got, you, you really don't even need no money, to be honest. If you got the right information and you necessarily know the right people, you could do okay. you could do damage. You know you could do damage. You don't oh, yeah. you do you, <laughs> you don't need the money. Like like uh, like in my in my opinion, the mentality that it takes money to make money is really a crutch if you think about it. Because oh you, man, that's a, that's a, that's a major injury. That's a man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you could probably get licensed in all fifty states for five hundred dollars in seventy five hours. You know, <laughs> man. And then wholesaling. I mean, there's a lot of different ways that you can make money in really anything. And anything without 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 you really having any money at all. And I feel like if a lot of us had that mentality, we would that would change everything for us. Because when you like I said, you got that you got that mentality where it was, man, I got to get money first to make it. You kind of, you 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 limiting yourself and putting yourself yeah. probably in bad situation that you necessarily don't even have to be in. Because like I said, at the end of the day. If you got the information, you could really do it. If you, especially if you got that with knowing the right people, it's really yeah. like no limit to what you can do. You can do every. It's like crazy. Like the world is your playground, as they say, for real. At that point, it, it, <laughs> it really becomes that way. Because mm-hmm. I mean, really, a lot of the beliefs that people have are, are limiting beliefs. Yeah. Because I mean, my first trip—well, not my first trip overseas, but one of my first trips to Southeast Asia. People were asking me if it was safe. Like I was going to Vietnam. This was in 2010, and people was like, "Is it safe there? Is you gonna be all right?" It's like, "You know, I hear it's rough." It's like, "Where'd you hear that?" At? It's like, "Who told you that?" Right. Mm-hmm. What's your information based on? Yeah. It's like, well, you know, I, I just, I just heard that, and then people believe it, mm. and then, but they don't know where it came from. No, I, mean, I, didn't. I don't believe anything. Mm. It's like I haven't. Uh, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's powerful, man, because that that just shows that at the end of the day, you think for yourself. And I feel like that's one of the most powerful skills you can have because right now you're going to get information from everywhere. Even when it comes to things about about people, no matter what, you're going to get information from an overload of information right now in these times. But to still have that ability to be like, okay, I hear what you're saying. I hear your opinion, but I'm still going to 
you know, take all this in and formulate my own opinion. You know, I'm gonna not, I'm not gonna let you think for me whether you're right or wrong. I'm still gonna right. think for myself. And I feel like, like as sad as it sounds, I I feel like it's like 95 percent of the people they don't have their own opinions. Once you I mean, and you can just see it. They make great voice. Yeah, and that's what I was about to say. That makes it better for. That makes it better. Everybody can be a boss. Yeah, that that's crazy. Can't support it. I mean, you need balance. Yeah, that's yeah, that's funny. What what I got a quick question for you. What do you what do you say to people? Because like I'll talk to people about finance or whatever, and come things I'll I'll hear they'll say something like, "Well, everybody in the economy can't have money. Everybody this and that." And I'm like, yo, I'm not saying everybody need to be, you know, everybody got to be wealthy. But I'm just saying, like, do you think it's possible for everybody to, I don't want to say be rich or wealthy, but just have financial stability? Yeah, it's, it's, it's more than possible. Exactly. Right? The reason why it's possible is because, again, money's not real. It's All the mm. money in the world is nothing but ones and zeros in a bunch of computers. <laughs> And then whenever there needs to be more, somebody goes to a computer and adds some more zeros, and then the money just exists. It gets certain. That's where inflation comes from because none of it's real. Mm. The only way you can devalue something is, and change the value of something, make it worth less, is if you make more of it. But that more has to come from somewhere, but it comes from nowhere. <laughs> so the reality is that if people made better financial decisions, they wouldn't be worried about not having enough because they would have more than enough more for their living expenses. Yep. They wouldn't be worried about that. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I haven't had that since 2012. And I mean, I can't, like, it would bother me to have that. And so, but a lot of people was like, oh, you know, somebody was telling me today, it's like, hey, what about this house? You should buy this house. And I was like, well, okay, let me go ahead and run numbers. I mean, they believed it was a nice property. Is duplex, one hundred and seventy thousand, and so I'll run my numbers. Like, oh, okay, rent it at fifteen hundred a month. I was like, this wouldn't work. It's like, oh, but you're making more than a note. I was like, but the cap rates are terrible. So I mean, he's like, what's that? It's like, okay, let me actually educate you about how you value a multi-family property. It's like, well, what are you gonna do? I mean, you can you can get ten of these, and then you'll be all right. I was like, dude, that's a trap. It's like. You got 10 notes. Mm, yeah. nobody, wants to, nobody wants to pay your rent. Yeah, you like, I mean, I if, I, if he was talking about like, you know, multi-unit, 10 units or something like that. I was like, I'm like, dude, this is this probably is not the best decision for you. Yeah. Like where you're at. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have the the capital to absorb those losses. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if, if one of your tenants decides not to pay his, his rent for three months, three months. man and I, <laughs> that's super interesting I'm glad you said that speaking on real estate because I feel like I see that a lot now where people will find deals where it's necessary a good deal but this, just because it's a good deal don't mean it's a good deal for you because I feel like like how you just said they don't have the capital to, 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 to take up for that loss if they take that L I feel like people really don't take that into account these days like cause, I mean you know what I, I know they don't <laughs> I know they don't you yeah. know why because I'm making offers on those places that they want <laughs> <laughs> I see those listings I like that I like that yeah. so I know they don't have the money and I can tell just looking at the prices that they're asking on the properties like 
over the last, I'd say about six months, I've driven over about seven states to drive a like out. I'll, I'll get out and I'll just drive up. Like to look at the house, like write down my notebook, record it, mm-hmm. go back, go to the GIS, look it up, pull up white pages, mm-hmm. start texting, find okay. out like, somebody died, what's going on, to get a real feel for the economy. Right. And the way I see things is that people that have been in the real estate game for a while, they're they're doing well. I think people that are getting into it now are are doing well I'm just mindful of a, a 15 to 20 percent drop in rents right at any given point like can you absorb that that's mm. that's my question mm-hmm. and I mean for me I'm not unless I'm making like per door five six hundred a month I mean after your your maintenance costs inflation, I need I need to see more than that. Need to see more mm-hmm. than that. No, I, I, like, I, I feel you. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I could take I could take on the debt doing something else and do a lot more with it. No, I mean, especially when you start talking about you know private equity and other markets. No, that's real, man. That's real because, like me personally, like I'm 25. Deanna, she's 23. So we didn't get to experience like the last economy crash and all that. So. Like it's always like an insight for people that that that's been in real estate for a long time. Cause we still like even though like we got three properties, but we still like you know what I'm saying we still like we ain't years and years into the game. We still learning yeah. as well. But I've already like from our experience, like we don't get into anything where worst case scenario if it just went down, we couldn't handle it. We don't get like right now we just don't do that. Like we get and into it, and that's smart. Mm. Like I don't I don't really want to ever be fully leveraged. And I like being liquid. Like, mm. like if I decide that I want to leave the country in three weeks, you could do it. Like, I can do it. Like, just cash out. Cash out and do it. I'll live in Zanzibar on the beach. That's it. Yeah. So, man, hello? Yeah. You guys managing everything? Okay. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to ask you if you don't mind, if you don't mind uh, answering this, how many uh, properties do you have? I own zero. I own zero? zero real estate. Oh, for real? Why, yes. why is that? I don't like that. Mm, okay. I don't yeah. like that. Uh, okay. <laughs> I own a lot of things. I don't like that, though. <laughs> I own a I, lot, I, but I, I own a lot of things. Right, but you don't own... That's, that's the difference. Mm, that's interesting, man. Like, that's that's very interesting. Yeah, the banks love me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> the banks. You think about getting a house? Hey, how you doing? Come on. Rates are real good right now. It's like, oh, I see. It's funny because I, I actually got approved for some money now, some financing, and they calling me. It's like, so you find something you like yet? It's like, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm finding deals. I'm, you know, I'm gonna make an offer two hundred thousand dollars below asking. Entirely like disrespectful. <laughs> All right, here we go. Because uh, I, I understand the value. I'm mm. looking for motivated sellers. Right. Like, oh, your house just burned down? You think about selling it? It's like, awesome. I got you. It's like, I buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's real, man. Yeah, that's real. 
Uh, another, I only got like a couple more questions before we wrap up. Is uh, you know, a lot of people talk about the recession and all that stuff. So, do you feel like there's another one that's going to happen soon? And when, and if it does, what do you think the 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 what's the word I'm looking for? What do you think the strategy? Not the strategy, but like the temperature of like what's going on in society, like. How how catastrophic do you think it will be for business owners, I'll say? Well, depending on your business, you can absorb it. Mm. I think it's all about putting systems in place where you're not so much dependent on industries that may be massively adversely affected by a recession. People were still selling houses. Right. People were still having, you know, floods. People were still getting recruited for jobs. I mean, the thing is about recessions that people don't understand is that it's not that nothing is happening. It's just a lower level of activity. Mm. But at that lower level of activity, as far as GDP is concerned, there are markets that are going to be booming. Like, if you want to make money, have cash in a recession. Right. Like, be the person that can come around and sweep up assets or rent to people who may have just got foreclosed on or can provide some type of employment to people who may have just lost their job. Like, there's there's a lot of different ways that you can still make, make money in a recession. Like that's, it's not that you, that money isn't still flowing. It's just the average person may not have the perspective to see where that money is flowing, but mm. it, it's still going to be moving. It's still going to be moving. Mm-hmm. I, I, I agree with that. And uh, let me see what else I have. You have anything else? Mm-mm. No, but yeah, I don't. I don't think I got anything else. I know I'm. A, I know I'm gonna have something. Someone's got the car. Like, damn, I want to ask him <laughs> this. I can't remember now. But, <laughs> but before we wrap up, like, uh, I just want to say, man, we uh, uh, definitely appreciate you coming on. Like, you mm-hmm. just gave a lot of game, especially. I feel for me more than anything. I've learned a lot just from this yeah. conversation. So I just want to say, I definitely appreciate you, man. Like for real. I mean, thanks for having me on. I, I've enjoyed myself. You guys have some great questions. Yeah. It's always good to... It's different having it in your mind, but actually explaining it is is always good. Because, I mean, that's how you learn right. yourself and each other's. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, I know. I'm not bad. <laughs> I know I want to ask. I want to ask, so if you had a piece of advice to give to a, a young entrepreneur, a young business owner, I mean, I know this question might be different the answer might be different to depending on the industry the person's in. But if like if they want to get started and they're thinking about scaling and growing their business, what would be your biggest piece of advice to give them? I guess this is very general. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a, if I had to give them a piece of advice, it would be to really just love people. And so oh. if that's like the underlying foundation for your business decisions then regardless of what industry that you're in 
or business that you start is going to be successful. Mm. That's, <laughs> I, like that. I, I like that. And I, I agree with that. It's, it's, uh, as simple as that may sound for a lot of people, it's, it's a, uh, I agree with that 100%. Because if you love people, at the end of the day, you're always going to do what's right, for especially for your business. You're not going to have that. What's right. Yeah. And I mean, my mom, she told me that. Like, she was like, regardless of what happens, you got to love people because you really never know what they're going through. You don't know what they've been through. You don't really know what that person is. And our interactions in life with each other are so short. You know, somebody that you may be friends with today, you know, you may not even know them a year from now. Mm. So, I mean, I think making those interactions with yourself and with your business meaningful and enjoyable and that coming across in your business, mm. I think will make you very successful. I agree with that, man. And I forgot, this is this is the one question that we always ask people at the end and I, I, I almost forgot about it. And we ask them, uh, do you feel like you have an obligation to give back to your community? And not just as far as monetary, but as far as like access to resources you may have, uh, giving back time, game, information, do you feel like that's an obligation that you have? I mean, I don't, I don't really feel like it's a, an obligation. I feel like it's more so just what's supposed to be done. Mm. And so throughout, you know, humanity's existence, people that had experience and knowledge and wisdom pass it on. Right. And I mean, having that old tradition, which is now a digital tradition, and passing <laughs> that information on, so then the people that come after you can have that information. I think it's just, you know, this is me painting pictures on the cave wall. That's all, that's uh, all we have, bro. I, like I said, I definitely appreciate you for coming on, man. Like, we... This is a super valuable, valuable uh, conversation. So I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again. Yeah, definitely, man. So, yep. So, uh, talk uh, talk to you soon. Okay. Yes, sir. But that was another episode of the Millionaire Mindsets Podcast with Adrian. Uh, He like like he dropped a lot of gems this episode, so I hope you guys could uh, take some take some insight from that and hopefully apply it to your life. Like I, I always say that every episode, but I really mean it. And uh, for the people who don't know, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, me personally, Xavier C Miller, and D. She's gonna give her info. And you can follow me on Twitter at Deanna S Kent. Instagram is Deanna Kent um, or Kent Real Estate. And you can also follow the Millionaire Mindsets um, page. At, is it Millionaire Mindsets Podcast? Yeah. On Instagram. And if you haven't already subscribed, you can subscribe to the daily um, tech subscription at, at mindsets81010. And if you want to learn how to invest in real estate, you can book a consultation with us at www.parkhillconsultantservices.com. And that is all we have for y'all. See y'all next episode. Appreciate y'all for listening. Peace. On the way to the big check. You ain't know I'm up next till I'm on the way. You ain't take a risk cause you too afraid. I'ma just eat till I'm overweight. On the way. Oh, a lot of shit on the way. On the way.